Working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is drummer Terrence Clark. Terrence is a Memphis-based drummer, producer, and overall creative. Known for his impeccable and soulful performances, his professionalism and discipline of craft, Terrence has traveled the world building relationships with and through music. Terrence developed the gritty elements of his style while playing with local bands on Beale Street. Those experiences stirred up his love for the city's music legacy and heartbeat of all musical forms. His professional career has spanned from touring nationally and internationally, as well as recording with an eclectic array of artists from many genres. He currently tours with the legendary Robert Cray Band. Musical education and real-life experiences have refined his talents, and Terrence is currently mentored by David Porter, Tommy Sims, James Waddell, and Steve Jordan. To find out more about this episode and all the episodes that we have, you can find us at WorkingDrummer.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can subscribe to this podcast by going to iTunes. And while you're there, leave a rating and review. This always helps us grow. If you enjoy what you hear on Working Drummer Podcast, there is a way that you can help. Patreon.com slash Working Drummer is the place where you can go and you can donate any amount that's good for you. A dollar, five dollars, any amount helps. And with those corresponding amounts come different rewards, stickers, T-shirts, an opportunity to take a private online lesson from one of our past guests that include Ben Caesar and Carter McLean. You can also have an episode that focuses on you. You can find that all at patreon.com slash working drummer. I'd like to introduce you all to Crush Drums by telling you about one of their new lines. They are offering a brand new birch kit called the Sublime Birch Series. The Sublime Birch is 100% North American birch. Here's Crush's own Terry Platt talking about some of the cool features of the Sublime Birch Series. One thing that Crush has always done is on our 14-inch floor toms, we do a 14 by 13. It's got the fullness and depth of a 14 by 14 tom, but you can also, tuning range-wise, manipulate it to sound more like a 14 by 12 for the guys that, that enjoy that tone as well. It also includes the hoop saver claws that we developed where we actually have the rubber grommet under the claw protruding through the front of the claw. So if somebody grabs their drum set and sets it down, say on concrete, you know, claw side down, it doesn't scratch up everything. And here's one of my favorite things about what Crush is doing. The bearing edges are cut a little more specifically for the drums. Our standard edge is a, you know, kind of a double 45 and the outside is rounded over so you get some more head contact with the shell. On the bass drum, you'll notice that the resonant side is even rounder than that. And then the uh, batter side is going to be a little bit sharper. Just so you get that nice snap out of the kick, but the resonant head really brings the whole shell into the equation of the tone. You can also find a link to the new Sublime Birch series in our show notes and see the beautiful finishes and configurations they offer. In the near future, we've got much more to share in regard to Crush Drums and this dynamic company. For now, check out Crush Drums at crushdrum.com. We just want to do a quick thank you to producer Brandon Owens for connecting us with Terrence. Thank you so much, Brandon. So here we go. Here is my conversation with Terrence Clark. We're on a tour. This We just started back up. This is the first run of the year. Mm-hmm. We ended last year, December 9th. That was the last show. And we just started back uh, on the 19th. And it's great. We're back on the road. Um, 
and during that break i've still been working you know i try to make sure i do a lot of stuff in between but it's really good to be back out with these guys like robert hands down is legendary he's amazing yeah and to be part of his camp now now officially a year it's, it's right at a year okay um that i've i've gotten the seat um it's just been amazing i learned something every night and he's a brilliant man hmm. let alone a musician like he's a brilliant like gentleman you know hmm. and you hear that and how he carries himself on his instrument, what he has to say on his instrument, um, yeah, his humor, <laughs> his joy—like he's a really great dude to to be under and to consider and call a leader, a mm-hmm. band leader. So, mm-hmm. yeah, to be out with the Robert Cray Band is um, extremely humbling, and uh, it's, it's a big seat to have, I think, um, yeah. in the legacy of American music. Yeah, um, he is one of those guys that I think will be written down in history as one of the greats, you know, mm-hmm. uh, alongside with like B.B. King and, you know, a lot of the legends, you know. So, um, yeah, Robert Cray is the man, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, with coming into an organization that's and, and a player that's so legendary, mm-hmm. were there any expectations that they had of oh, you? Oh, man. Well, I might as well, let me give you a little story. So I got the call. Um, and he called me on January 9th, 2017, basically offering me the gig. And if you know me, maybe you don't, but like my birthday is actually January 9th. Okay. He didn't know that. That was just like a very like magical moment, you know? So he called and he offered the gig and, and the one thing he says, like, I'll be honored to have you on on the drums, you know, to play, join the band, yeah. and I'm like honored, like I'm I'm the guy that's like honored, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so we talked about. I asked him, you know, what he needed from me and what you know and all this stuff, and he was super kind. And one of the things he said to me, he's like, "Man, I've seen your videos. I've seen I've heard recordings of you. He's like, you know what you're doing. You know you know how to play drums. You know what you're doing. Oh, he's like, yeah. he's like, um." What really caught me, and this, these are his words for sure, he, he said, um, I did my own research and I found an interview of you on, on YouTube. And he's like, the way you spoke and the way you carried yourself, he said, I knew then you were the guy. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, it wasn't just about the playability and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, I think he, for anybody, I think life teaches you to see past just the talent, like who is the person, right? Yeah. And so that is really what I think you know, moved him, you know, I can't speak for him, but I think that's what he was hinting at. And so the job and what he expected, he's like, man, just do you, be you. Mm-hmm. And he's been like that ever since. Like he doesn't, he's not particular about play this pattern or play that pattern or make sure, he's like, man, drive the band, play wherever you set that tempo, mm-hmm. you know, we're gonna go with you, we're right there. And so it's freeing, it's the most free I've ever felt on a live bandstand mm-hmm. with an artist mm-hmm. to be free to to play and and move and listen and help yeah. facilitate the story of yeah. whatever he's saying. Yeah. So I think that was really the only expectation is that, you know, you've been referred by someone who I admire and I respect. So like, just be who you are. Because yeah. clearly you, you know, you, you're received well by this other person so 
Yeah, it was it was really just a straight ahead thing. There were there were no rehearsals, man. Like I didn't rehearse. <laughs> it was amazing. Like I, I tell people this story, it still blows my mind. Like he sent <laughs> they sent CDs. They mailed me CDs. Yeah. Of like all his CDs in 2017. Yes, in 2017, they <laughs> sent me all the CDs and a master list of 50 tunes. Yeah, and the way he flows, he could call out any of those songs in right. a set. There's no definite set list. Uh-huh. Um, and so I learned all the songs, but the way I learn is very different. I have a very unique way of how I learn songs. But anyway, um, and I showed up at the first show, the first gig. And sound check, we they, they planned to have a longer sound check. We went through like 14, 16 songs, uh-huh. down each, top to bottom, boom. He's like, and he was very open. He's like, hey, you know, what song do you want to play? Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, I really like this. I would love, I've been wanting to play this one with you. I've been wanting to. And so we just played uh-huh. those songs. And yeah. then it's like, all right, cool. And that was it. And then we played a show. And it still blew my mind that they just went in trusting me to just do it you know yeah there was no critique in the in a major way of like you know the drum tones it was all just a a big like they trusted me and so like right away i was like whoa like to be how, believed in in that way was how did that make you feel oh man freeing i mean to, yeah. to me creating music you only get the best result when there's trust in the room yeah right you know what i mean i agree Period. Like, yeah. if everybody starts picking at you, like, hey, what if you play this? And what if you, do? like, suggestions are open. I mean, that's, but you know the difference, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. When it's like they're just picking because they don't know what, but they never offer you, hey, what are you feeling? What do you think? And so to me, um, to have that trust, it just, it took away all the anxiety in, in the room and in myself that I may have had because it was a new gig. This is a big gig. This is Robert right. Cray. Yeah. You know, so yeah. to be the young buck coming in mm-hmm. and and to, to have this equal respect, they didn't treat me like a young buck. They didn't treat me like the young kid. It mm-hmm. was like, what do you feel? What do you, you know? Yeah. And right away I felt like I had, you know, a say or had, I, yeah. I could mention this or that or the yeah. other, you know? Yeah. And it just, Freeing. That's the, that's the most. He's wise enough and smart enough to know how to get the best out of somebody. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Don't. Well, how did you prepare for that first gig? Man. All right. So, given the style of music, because I play with a lot of different artists, and given the style of music, it's it's. I hate to say it, but it's not to me. He's not a blues artist. Mm-hmm. I want I want to make that yeah, put that on sure. the record. I said I think he's a soul artist mm. that plays blues guitar. Okay. Yeah. Over that. You know I what I mean? Yeah, I hear So that. the songs, like, we're not playing shuffles all night. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? We're playing actual songs that groove, they feel good. And his tonal quality on his guitar is, is that of a blues nature. But, you know, I get to see him in sound check and other, other areas where it's like, oh, this dude can actually, like, play. He's mm-hmm. a musician. Mm-hmm. You know? He brings in a lot of different colors, jazz and all this stuff, into mm-hmm. what he does. Mm-hmm. In my opinion... I know this is a sidetrack, but I'll come back to it. Yeah. But in my opinion, I think at his time, he was the Gary Clark Jr. of his time. You get what I mean? Like Gary Gary Clark of this time, he's like in my generation, they say he brings in all these different styles into blues, like hip hop and soul and all. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, that's exactly what they said about Robert Cray yeah. at his time when he was playing. So, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, learning his music, learning his thing... Um, I just listened to the songs 
over and over. I mean, it's 50 songs. Yeah. And I didn't have a lot of time. And, and I was still working. I still had other gigs and other things I had uh-huh. to do. So I just listened to them nonstop. To where my, my, the way I learn music, I want to learn the song. I want to be able to sing the song. I want to be able to know the song from okay. the beginning to the end. Okay. Not the drum part. The drum part to me is irrelevant, hmm. especially when you're talking about, again, American music and to be more specific, American black music. Mm-hmm. There's a commonality there that you don't have to really practice, mm-hmm. at least, you know, for a brother. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like you just know what that part needs to be. The other part, you just need to know the song. Yeah. And for me, I learned the songs. I listen to the songs from top to bottom on the list. I put them on a playlist on my on my Dropbox or my iTunes or whatever. Yep. And I just had them on every device I had. So wherever I was, I could just listen to it at any given moment. Fell asleep with it, you know, with it on my ears. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it reaches the subliminal as well. So, right, right. Um, and I just listen to them nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me, the groove isn't isn't the driving part more so than it, than the melody and the lyrics. So once I know the lyric and then I know the story, yeah. the groove, then I'm just making space for that mm-hmm. on the drum. So that's how, that's basically like my, my process of learning that music specifically. Not all artists, I can do that. You know what I mean? Sure. You know, there, there are certain artists I'm like, I have to sit at the kit and like work this out. Okay. Because this is a certain kind of space and certain like mode. But like with this, it was like, okay, I need to have the toms tuned here. I need to make sure this snare is here, you know, mm-hmm. just different little things like that. But Are you using more than one snare with this game? No, one okay. snare. Um, I tune it, I detune it up and down because okay. I don't have, he could call at any moment. Right. So I don't have the time to have like my tech move the drum and, uh-huh. or I switch out the snare. Okay. But, um, he has given me the grace because he knows I'm very intentional about tone, especially from, you know, being, uh, you know, learn the things I've learned from my mentor, like the tone has to be right yeah. for the song. Yeah. 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 So we now have, sometimes we have a set list where we have a, basically a, a an idea of what the set is going to be. So mentally while I'm playing a song, I'm looking at the next song like, okay, in that little split minute of time, I have to do five things mm. to get the tones right. Okay. You know? So, um, is so there more than just tuning? Oh yeah. Uh, so for example, like snare drum, I might have to detune. Um, so I detune the snare, but I have, I play a Gretsch broadcaster. Right. So I have the internal mufflers. That's why I got that kit. Oh, Okay. So sometimes if I need the drier, you know, like just dry tom sound, I turn those on and that's how I get that really quick without having to put any towels or any other junk on it. I like my tones to be open. Mm-hmm. And so I just turn those meats on and yeah. it just a thump, you know, just a quick tone mm-hmm. and they sound great. And then right. I can turn them back up, right back off and it's like a whole nother kit. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. um, so that's kind of what I do on his gig for sure. Okay. Um, is is just those quick sh- shifts. You know, I might throw a tambourine on a hi-hat or a rivet on the, a ride or a crash, take it off. You know, uh-huh. I'm just moving around a lot. I saw a, a YouTube of you guys sound checking and there was a, like, um, shake, not a shaker, but uh, shells. Uh, oh, yeah, it's like, it's like a jingle, like I think it's some jingles on the hi-hat. On the upper pull rod. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I wrapped those on there. Uh, do you, is that all all the on there all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put it on there all the time. I like the the way it gives a another texture. Uh huh. 
when I'm like opening the hi-hat with my foot or something like that, it just gives another texture. Yeah. I like the thickness and, and the fullness of that. Yeah. It adds to the hats, you know. Okay. Okay. Because I the hats I use, I think they're there's some sixteen uh thirtieth anniversary instant bull agops. And they're pretty dark and I love them. Yeah. But sometimes I want that like a little bit bright mm-hmm. top end, but I don't want to change the hat. I love I love the hats. Yeah. So I wrap those on there just to give a little bit of uh, a brighter timbre. It's really cool. Are, are you guys using wedges or ears? Yes. Uh, they use wedges. Um, I play with um, like earplugs, you know. I have some, some uh, mold, like soft gel plugs. Okay, yeah. okay. Something that them. controls the amount of yeah, muffling. Exactly. Uh, okay. Exactly. I think soon though I want to go and I want to go with like my own mixer yeah. and do in ears just so I can have a better control because it gets loud up there. You know what okay. I mean? Okay. And I'm used to like playing with in ears. That's yeah. kind of been my normal kind of right. situation. So this has been some getting used to. And then also like one of my secrets on this gig, it's not a secret, but it's just <laughs> what I choose to do. Um because the tempos, they're 50 songs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm still the new guy, so I'm still getting used to, like, what these songs should feel like. And and he gives me, free like, rain. Like, what the tempo was the night before might not be the tempo the next mm-hmm. night because mm-hmm. the energy, the crowd, you know, the set. Mm-hmm. And so we just go off of that. But I like to still... So I wear a Bluetooth in my right ear. Oh, yeah. With And because I have the set and everything, and I, I use an app called Tempo. So I, I adjust the set list and I have the tempo. So before each song, I'll just tap it just to kind of hear where it normally, uh-huh. like the record version yeah. or the average kind of tempo is set. Just so I can remember, okay, that's kind of where it is. But if it needs to be pushed, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bring it up a little bit. Uh-huh. And so I do that and I count it in and I just play. And we're playing live. No click, no yeah. no nothing, you know. Yeah. Just, the reason I ask is there's all different types of scenarios now, especially yes. with technology and artists that want you to play with a click or drummers that choose to play with a click or mm-hmm. not. And with an artist like Robert Cray, and you're talking about really important things like tone mm-hmm. and probably playing to the room depending mm-hmm. on what it is yep uh that is really important with this type of music yeah so i'm just kind of curious a, a lot of the stuff that i find myself doing here in nashville and many drummers do in yeah. nashville with like pop music and country and pop country and stuff like that mm-hmm. there's the click there's yeah. the in-ears there's all those things and sometimes tone and playing to the room gets lost a bit. Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, I find myself kind of going in circles. It's autopilot, that. I think, sometimes. I've I've been there. I mean, yeah, I kind of get to where it's like, you know, it's a lot of production. It's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, you got the track elements, you have all yep. this stuff. And it's a time and place for that. It depends on, right. you know, the artist totally. and all that. But like, again, I go back to the freeing aspect of this gig. Yeah. Like it, it is, it flows. Like he might push it later in the song. He might, he might want to push, it and I hear him feeling, and I have to move with him. Yeah. If I'm on click, yeah. the, the the natural breath of that can't happen because yeah. then we're fighting, and then yeah. he can't really push that. Yeah. And then now the anxiety of like, should I push or should I stay? Should I, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not having a musical conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then it turns into like this, this war you know that's unnecessary like we're playing music it's music you, you just remind me um and i will probably get into a little bit with with uh, steve jordan as mm-hmm. a mentor yeah yeah i remember when i got the john mayer live trio yeah or john mayer trio live mm-hmm. and there was a blues 
song on that record mm-hmm. that he put out. And it starts out with Steve laying down the 6-8 groove and John comes in and all of a sudden the tempo drops yeah. about six or eight clicks. <laughs> yeah. And it validated it for me right then and there. I'm like, if Steve freaking Jordan can move the tempo and it find it and then find it quick. Yeah. And then you don't even think about it. Then. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all bets are off. Here yeah, we man. go. There's music happening. Yeah, man. The other thing that you made me think of was an interview I did with Matt Johnson, who's out with uh, St. Vincent mm, man, for several that. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he talked about this strict metronomic time that we find ourselves dealing with, mm-hmm. with clicks and sequences and stuff like that. And there was a time when music was... Uh, you could create intensity within music by adjusting tempo. Mm-hmm. The push and pull. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with the strict metronomic time that a lot of us have to deal with, you have to create intensity and energy within that format now. Yes. This is a new generation of yes. music. And how do you do that? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it just makes me wonder, um, Robert, being maybe from an... Uh, uh, an originist, you know, yes, an old yes, school, yes. like, hey, tempo is going to be what it is. Right. You know, it's what it is. This right. is what we did. This yeah. is how we always made music. Well, I come from, you know, born and raised from Memphis. Yeah. You know, it's home of soul music, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got Stax, you got Royal, you have legendary drummers like Howard Grimes and Al Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. And those drummers, man, like, you hear the records they played on or their performances live. And, and there's a, there's a, um, there's a thing that, that, that they always mention about Al Jackson Jr. There, there were like nights where he would just play the song. It could be super fast or super slow. It just depended on, he knew how to read that crowd. And they went wherever he went. Mm-hmm. He was a drummer and he just, it was like, that's where we're going to go. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's missed now because sometimes like audiences check out, you know what I mean? Because it, it, it the artists on stage, you, you, you're missing like the spontaneity of the now, mm-hmm. being right there in the presence mm-hmm. of the now, the energy of the crowd. And if you're always on that, that metronome and that clock, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just hard to grasp for some people, you know. Yeah. Um, but at, at, again, to each, each their own, it's a it's, it's, it's very complicated subject, right? Yeah. Like you have different styles, you have different yep. reasons for all that. Yes. And it all, at the end of the day, it needs to feel good. Right. That's the that's the bottom line. It needs right. to feel good. It needs to be the illusion of like none of that is there. Mm-hmm. And that's the secret to me. Mm-hmm. I see Steve playing and he could play live and he's probably playing a click or not. I don't, I don't know. I've seen him. Yeah. And I'm like, I know this last tour he wasn't a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't know because every strike and everything he's playing, he believes it to where you're so convicted in what he's doing, in his conviction of the groove, yeah. that whether it's pulling and pushing or what, it doesn't matter, right? Because it feels right, it mm-hmm. feels good, and he, he he's all in, you know. So, to me, I think that's the only thing that that's that's the main thing that should happen with any musician, not even just drummers. Like, if you're gonna play something, like, make me believe it, make us believe it, yeah, you know, right. make it feel good, yeah. This pretend thing is, I'm I'm over that. You know, <laughs> you know, just this, it, 
Yeah, you can't pretend feeling good anymore. Yeah, no. You know. Well, I think the important thing to remember is that in this discussion, in all these discussions, the the central focus is on the working drummer, and yeah, you talk yeah. about all the different kinds of gigs that yeah. you do and kind of different kinds of music that you play. Right so to be able to adjust and make whatever situation you're in yeah. happen. Yeah. For the artist, the singer, or the producer, whoever you're yeah. working with. So if it's with a click, if it's without a click, if it's with a, a funky monitor system, mm -hmm. if it's the best in-ears you've ever had in your life, mm -hmm. the one thing is true, it, it's, you, there has to be conviction. Yes. And there has, has to feel good. Yep. Yeah. It does. And then it, it also... And you just got to do what what the aesthetic and the language of that artist needs. Period. What do you mean? Like, for example, if anybody comes to see me play with Robert Cray, mm -hmm. you're going to see a totally different Terrence on drums. Because mm -hmm. I'm not playing. I've never wanted to play for the purpose of like, oh, that's Terrence. I want to play for the purpose of the artist telling their version of their story or their song or their mm -hmm. style. Yeah, yeah. Aesthetic meaning their style they choose to play in, right? Yeah. So like it might not be super exciting like you've probably seen with some other artists that I've played with live or or whatever. But it works. It's exciting for that that thing, right? Yeah. So like I've seen different drummers that I love and it's like people are like, man, they're waiting for them to just do something cool and mm. sh show out and or whatever. And it's like they are doing something cool. <laughs> They're doing what that gig mm -hmm. is requiring them to do. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. why they're a working drummer. Right, right, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, there was a, some video of you on a Christmas tour. Oh, just yeah. Really playing beautifully, some brush stuff. Oh, right on. And things like that. Thank you. Man. And uh, the variety of, of videos that I had access to showed the breadth of variety that you bring to the table wow. for sure i appreciate that yeah i, I kind of have the opposite problem <laughs> i know I, i've probably said it a thousand times because i was i had such strong conviction of over time saying play tastefully and for the artists and for the music and mm. it's not about showing off and mm. blah, blah blah to the point where when somebody says okay we need you to we need you to take it and i'm like oh shit yeah what am i, I supposed to do, to do? <laughs> Yeah, no, I hear that. I'm getting better about it, but I think I've had a bit of a revelation uh, and, and just kind of just get over it all. I mean, the, the idea of playing for the song and for the situation, that's ingrained. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah, yeah. Now it's time to stretch out. Yeah. And, and um, I want to bring something up, actually, okay. yeah, uh, yeah. in respects to this and get your thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. I was driving home last night and I was listening to Sound Opinions, okay. uh, the radio show. Yeah. A great radio show, yeah. and they were introduced. Uh, they were interviewing uh, Don Was, okay, who was um, he's uh, was a producer, produced Bonnie Raitt, yeah, uh, tons of other people. Um, he owns Blue Note Can't Records see. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but one of the things he says, he goes, there are two kind. He believes there are two kinds of music: uh, selfish and generous. Yeah. So selfish music is like the person that's up there playing like a thousand notes, mm -hmm. very impressive. And you're like, oh, cool. Well, yeah. you really practice. That's really neat. Yeah. But they're not really making a connection yeah. with the listener. Uh, generous music is that mus musician that digs in, kind of spills their guts, shows their soul. But, but, but more than that, they make a connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
with with the audience. Yeah. <laughs> but how do you make that connection? How do you because there's I know there's a lot of uh, testimonials yeah, where yeah. people are saying when ter- when I play with Terrence, I feel like a better musician. I feel how do you connect, man, with the listener? Um, I think so. My background, I. I I come from a very musical family. My yeah. grandfather was a was a musician and a singer, and my dad uh-huh. is an amazing uh, player, uh, organist and pianist. Um, I think it was a, something that I didn't know I was learning at the time, but like they they served the music like you, they just served whoever they were playing for, um, mm-hmm. and they showed that they cared about them first as a person. Right. The so listener. The listener or even just the artist. Like we're yeah. all trying to make one sound, you know. Right. Okay. Yeah. But as far as the listener, I think I don't know. I, I think it if I had to put it into words, the listener, I'm 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 I'm, I'm trying to tell a story. I'm trying to like whatever the story is mm-hmm. that the artist is talking about, the listener won't believe it if I don't believe it. Yeah. It, if I'm on stage helping to tell this story and they're sitting here like watching us quote unquote perform, watching us present this idea, they're not going to believe me if I'm not all in it. Yeah. And so that's the thing. It's like being believable, not, not performing. There are two sides of performing. Okay. So I break this down. There's a side of performing where you're on stage. Yeah. You're performing, you're playing, you're making music or playing music. But there's a side of performing where it's like, oh, look at this. It's kind of like now, you know, you know what I mean? It's like this kind of like air of like, yeah, so check this out, you know, and then check this out. Mm -hmm. That part gets really old and people kind of see through that. Like, right. When you get older, you can see people and personality flaws, right? You can see like, oh, okay, you're just kind of, you're opportunistic kind of person, right? Or you're trying Mm -hmm. to, you're just out to do this or get this Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. show me this. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I want to know the deeper side, like show me who you really are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and let's not perform anymore. Right. Let's like, let me just see who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. And that to me translates melodically and rhythmically in music. Like I, my goal is to try to move people in the rhythms um, and help make room and be, like you said, generosity, be generous in the space that I give for the other people to play their part, to help, Mm-hmm. Tell the story. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's storytelling. Yeah, it's it's basic storytelling to me. Yeah, um, I think that's that's the best way. I, if, I mean, I, that's a really good question. So, I would I would need to unload that more. But I think that's it's hard for me to talk about myself in that way. I don't know. I don't really know how I connect to people. It's sincere. It's not a thing that I think about. Mm-hmm. But I guess right now I'm just trying to figure out how how that works and what that looks mm-hmm. like and put it, put it into words. But I, I'm just trying to be honest. Well, I think two things is, is that when I heard that on the radio and Don was talking about those two concepts, mm-hmm. after doing some research about you, I thought that would be a good concept to bring up. It mm-hmm. seemed like you would have yeah. some insight on that. The other thing is, did you always understand that connection with the artist or the listener the way you're explaining to me now or was there a period of time where you had to mature into that i mean you talk about your grandfather and yeah, your yeah. father being a big influence um i think 
I think maybe it was kind of always there because of what my dad brought me up right. on. Okay. So like the music I listened to, like I was into Dave Weckle when I was like 12. So I was trying to copy that mm-hmm. that early, but then they got really boring to me because I was like, this is just a lot of notes. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be real. I love Dave Weckle. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah, I sure. love him so much. If you hear this, I love you. <laughs> but like to me, then I discovered like Will Kennedy and Vinnie Caliuta yeah. who were like making records. Yeah. Yeah. That's a different drummer, right? Yeah. Steve Gadd, like he's making records. Mm-hmm. He's not the the artist drummer. They are, but in a different way. Right. That became way more mm-hmm. interesting to me mm-hmm. because they were on a bunch of records. Yeah. And they sounded like themselves but different on all these records, right? Yeah. So immediately I was like, I I that sounds interesting to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to just be drumming for drumming's sake. Not saying that he does that, not saying Welko does that or any no, but I you get what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I'm like, I wanted to relate to that. So like my dad was very intentional about the records we listened to. I listened to James Taylor and Paul Simon and mm-hmm. you know very different for a black dude in, in, in the hood to listen to, you know. I'm writing lyrics of Sting, like, this is brilliant, you know. As a kid, I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Listen to all this stuff, listen to the police, and I'm like, man, this is beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. this is drumming, and it's out the way. Because I grew up, my culture, I grew up in black church, bro, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. where everybody's like, look at what I can do. Right. And... I was never that dude. I didn't like that attention. I didn't like being on the bandstand, especially in that kind of setting. Like, look at me. Hmm. You get what I mean? Like, you're in some, like, religious setting where it's not supposed to be about you. Hmm. And you're like, look at me. Hmm. And that's the culture that it was. Like, check me out doing all these licks and check me out. And And everybody's like, yeah, 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 play so-and-so. And And I'm like, really? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I thought I was supposed to be helping, like, create a mood and an atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that is... That is important in right. any setting, right? Right, right? So that was more interesting to me because it had more depth. Mm-hmm. Um, I could I watched my granddad sing songs and he would change the atmosphere of a room mm. just off of like one phrase. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how can I do that with drums? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that was more enticing to me. Like that was interesting to me. So I think it's always been there. Yeah. And I and I as I got older, I separated myself from my peers in the sense of the direction I went with my drumming. Okay. Um, Because a lot of them know me as the guy that used to chop and do Uh all this stuff. Like, Uh man, Terrence could do anything we do now. He he could do... And I'm like, yeah, but I I really can't. Like, because I don't practice that stuff like that anymore. I practice feel. I practice tones. I practice, like, a totally different approach, right? Yeah. So I think um, that's... It's kind of always kind of been... I've always kind of been different, Uh I think. Um, Um. And now I think the consistency of that has allowed me to do the things that I've been able to do. Uh-huh. The consistency of just being like, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do this over here. Yeah. And set myself apart. It served you well. I think so. Yeah. I yeah. hope so. When you do have time to mm-hmm. sit down and practice, I mean, you kind of mentioned some of those things, but what, what do you do? Man, it's very complicated. So <laughs> the things that motivate me as far as practice... I mean, of course, rudiments and things like that, but I'm always like playing, just trying to hear. Practice is different for me now, I guess. Yeah, sure. So it's not even always around, like behind the drum set. I'm really interested in sound now. Okay. So, so if you, 
if anybody follows me, you notice like I might hashtag like sound design or something like that when I'm in the studio. Because to me, playing the drum part is the easy part. Mm. Then I want to get into like how can I create sound that that helps facilitate facilitate the story that's not behind the kit. Mm-hmm. The groove is easy. Like once you figure that part out, mm-hmm. I'm like how can I add sounds and textures and mm. things like that? Because I think like movies. Okay. I think about like when I watch a movie, there's somebody who's making these sounds that yeah. weren't there before. Yeah. To create a mood again, right. back to the mood and the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So like, I grew up watching like Looney Tunes, and you hear all these sounds and yeah. all these guys, these sound designers, they would make these creations to make these sounds. That intrigued me as a kid. Right, like a foley artist. Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. You know, just what? Like, how did you think to make that sound emulate footsteps when that's not footsteps? You know what I mean? I love that. Yeah. But it's footsteps. What is that? You know. So to me, practicing, I'm a, I, that's the creative space I'm in right now. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to. I sit around the house or. I, like today I was at a friend's house and they had like this jar thing on the table and I opened it up and I closed it back up and I was like, Ooh. Yeah. Right. And I'm like moving it around. Like yeah. that sounds cool. And they're freaking out cause they know I'm, I'm weird like that. And I'm like, yeah. dude, we, I need to sample that. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. That to me is where I am right now. Yeah. You know, as far as the practicing thing, I practice my groove and, and time, uh-huh. my timing and, and feel uh-huh. things like that. Okay. Uh, the combination of tones and sounds and, but, it's a very different world now. Like, I think, yeah, it's just different. Practicing, like, my practice regimen is very different. Okay. Than what it used to be. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you find, and we don't talk a lot about, you know, hey, how do you play this lick or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, never yeah. really get into that. That's but, cool. <laughs> um, there's access to that information yeah, exactly. for sure. But it, it's so funny you bring, I, I'm fascinated with Foley artists yeah. for sure. And uh, it's even to the point where now like my kids know that you can take uh, a bundle of, of raw spaghetti mm-hmm. and, and break it yeah. and say, this is the sound of bones breaking. Yes. This is how they get that. <laughs> right. You know, they love doing Pitch that. it down and do some crazy right, stuff. Right, right, oh, right. It gets yeah, crazy. Get yeah. So like, uh, for example, one of the things I wanted to get into was w- when you're working in the studio mm-hmm. and you're creating sounds and and sound design mm-hmm. i mean i think we're getting to a place and this is going to get into some other things i wanted to talk about right as on. well was I'm, I'm, maybe i'm getting a little bit ahead of myself but it almost seems like the the, the idea of the drum set started with the trap set like mm-hmm. we use it and the word traps was uh all the different toys and things that people used to create sound effects. And uh, as a full, we're almost like Foley artists yes, for, for uh, uh, silent movies and yes. things like that. Yes. And I see and hear drummers do things in the studio that remind me of stuff that was being done in the 1920s mm-hmm. and 30s with just, you know, whether it's a, you know, the whole Chinese woodblock. Yeah, exactly. And things I like just that. bought a pair today, by did the way. You? Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did. Shout out to Nelson's Drum Company. Okay. <laughs> I would have bought. He had some sitting there. I was like, doo, doo, doo. oh yes, bought. Like I was just. Yeah. It was a. It was a brilliant. I was like, I had to have them. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, I mean, on my shelf with all my percussion gear and my suitcase full yeah. of percussion yeah. is like I've got toys. Yes. I had literally toys that were bought for my kids that I that that have I have adopted. Yeah. That I've used on records. That gets even giddy right now. Like I, I'm yeah. grinning from being here because that's. 
exciting to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in a scenario, like if, if you're in this, if with Brandon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what would be, how would you, what would you put on top of an initial groove? Man, it just depends on the song. Like, I, yeah. so that's the first thing I do. I sit down with the artist and I talk to them. Hmm. What some people don't do. Like, I sit down with the artist, male or female, I'm like, hey, how you doing? What's mm-hmm. your name? Mm-hmm. You know, because most of them I hadn't met them before. You yeah, know? right. And I'm like, so tell me about this song. Mm-hmm. Where did this come from? Mm-hmm. What's the emotion behind it? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you? Mm-hmm. Because for me, in order for me to even start the work, I want to connect and be in a common place of where their emotion is with that song. Yeah. So I want to find my my common ground and my story where I can then help tell the story and the part I choose to play. Mm-hmm. That might be too deep for some people, but for me, I love it. Like that's the connection mm-hmm. with the artist. Mm-hmm. And it's not a gimmick. It's a, it's a real thing for me. I, I need to know where you're feeling, mm-hmm. where what you were feeling mm-hmm. in this song. And then I create, and that creation varies. What I decide to do and what comes from me in the moment, it varies. I don't mm-hmm. come prepared to say, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to stack this and I'm going to do this. I don't really know until I lay down a, a basic foundational like groove or part. And then I'm like, oh, she said this. Let me sprinkle this over here to mm-hmm. accentuate that, mm-hmm. that, that thought or that color. Mm-hmm. Let me add this. And now the, the, the groove is building and, and the other instruments are kind of driving. Well, I don't want to get boom with the drums. So let me just add this noisy thing over here to add that you know intense kind of build yeah that's what i do like it's no rhyme or like it's no like systemic kind of way i do it it's just it's all in the moment Mm -hmm. it's literally my playground um i've had someone ask me recently because i never never thought about it but someone's like how do you come up with these things and Mm -hmm. like you Mm -hmm. said you know and I, i was like man i got tired of being like i don't know you know what I mean? And finally I sat down. I was like, what is going on? What am mm-hmm. I doing? And, I, and and sometimes I find myself sitting in the floor with all my toys around me. And I'm like, give me a mic or two overhead mics. And I'm sitting on the floor. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just looking. And I hear some, pick it up, make a sound. Pick it up, make a sound. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what happens where I go in my mind, I feel like I go back to my two-year-old self <laughs> that is free and just playing in a creative sandbox. Sandbox. Yeah, yeah. Of time, rhythm, uh-huh. space, just, just free. Again, there's a word. Just free to be. Yeah. I'm back to that kid that, you know, was free to just be, and no one could tell him like, "This is the way you do this," and this is, and you're not supposed to do this. And it's like just two-year-old free space right of just fun and colorful yeah being yeah. you know yeah. and so that's what what happens so like it, it's different for every mm-hmm. every artist every record sometimes it's sometimes it's necessary sometimes it's not sometimes just playing the drums and playing the groove yeah is is perfect right sometimes it's like man this just needs a little something else and mm-hmm. if they use it they don't you know some but it's like it's also showing the artist that like i care too like right. I, I want this to be the best it could possibly be yeah yeah and i'm going to give you as much information that you can use or maybe not mm-hmm. but I, I want you to know like what your story is doing for me is bringing out my own story and my own reality of what i connect to your story so let me see what i can what I can tap into to bring 
bring that to a, yeah. a higher level, if, if you will. Yeah. That's what happens for me. So where do you go to find a treasure trove of information about vintage drums, custom drums, and legendary drummers? NotSoModernDrummer.com. Since 1988, Not So Modern Drummer is an institution dedicated to researching and documenting the history of modern drums, the art of drum building, and the legendary drummers who play them. The writers and contributors are some of the top vintage and custom drum experts from around the world. Not So Modern Drummer serves as an online gathering place and marketplace for the worldwide community of drummers who buy and sell, collect, preserve, and play these instruments. It also hosts drum-related events that are attended by drummers from all over the world. This website is easy and fun to explore, and the monthly digital magazine subscription is free. So check out NotSoModernDrummer.com. Every step of my life, I've had amazing people, and I know that's not everybody's story. Some people have had people that just totally destroyed their confidence and brought them down, right? Yeah. I don't have that story. And I think it comes from being raised by good men in my mm. family. Like, I was approved and affirmed by them first. So going out into the world, I really, if you didn't like me, I didn't really care because I, I was approved and, and, and accepted at home. Uh, my dad didn't tell me I had to do this and you have to be this kind of drummer. He's like, find yourself, find your sound. Yeah. He would give suggestions and things like that that are natural, but it was never like you're doing it wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so every mentor I've had along the way was affirming. So when I finally got to to one of the guys that like, of course, you mentioned Steve, Steve yeah. Jordan. Uh -huh. When I met Steve, to be like affirmed by him in this way. It changed everything because I feel like I was behind as a drummer. I see a lot of my peers. I have a lot of great, great peers from Memphis and the world. Like one of my, my best, you know, homies, uh, Stanley Randolph. He's an amazing drummer. He's from Memphis. Okay. Plays with Stevie Wonder and everybody else oh, lives in L.A. Uh, Charles Streeter. He's an amazing drummer. Plays mm -hmm. with J-Lo and everybody else, you know. Mm -hmm. And they do all these amazing things and they're grooving while they're doing it and I'm like, "Man, I used to do that, but that doesn't it doesn't move me anymore, right. you know?" Right. And I got to the point where I'm like, "Am I dated? Am I am I like behind, you know?" Mm. And then I, I I met Steve and Steve brought me in and just like would ask me, you know, when he would see me like, "What you doing? What you up to?" All right, cool. Keep doing that and da da da. And then a lot of the reason why I have this gig is because he was the one that you know, referred me for the gig. Mm. So I'm like, well, okay. So to be affirmed by such a, a masterful musician, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I'm good. You know what I mean? That's what a mentor and a teacher does for you, I think, is they give, they affirm you in a way where it's like, you feel like what you're doing, is you're on the right track. Uh -huh. If you don't have that, being shown to you, whether it's, it's said or shown by the mm -hmm. things that they either do for you or show you, mm -hmm. you can feel alone out there, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And when that happened for me, I was like, I don't feel as, as, as alone as I did before. So you're not talking about like affirmation, like, 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 oh, we're going to praise you and give. Yeah, no, I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about this dude could have called anybody, you know, who does he not know? I know. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So he calls me to do this 
to play this position, especially after he just produced a record. I, I was going to say, as a side note, yeah. Robert's new record yeah. was produced and... And, and played and, in Memphis. And and was played by uh, Steve, Steve right, on drums. Right. With, yeah. With the high rhythm guys. They yeah. cut it at Royal Studio. And so that amazing was... Record, yeah, so amazing great. record. Yeah. Grammy nominated, you know, yeah. should have won in my opinion. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so like they were in the middle of cutting that record. And I was on tour on that Christmas tour, that video you mentioned uh-huh. earlier. Yeah. And he, he called, he's like, hey, you want to play with Robert Craig? I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't know that they were cutting the record, but that was what was going on. He was cutting the record. Yeah. And, um, and there's more to that story for sure. Like the high rhythm guys I had, I had earlier that year recorded with them for the first time on okay. some projects, local okay. projects. So like they knew me. So the name, my name kind of starts circling around, which you just never know how that stuff will work. And so to be like affirmed, you know, uh, to have affirmation in that way where it's like you're considered yeah it's like man yeah he could pull out he could play these grooves he mm-hmm. could play he 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 knows how to get the tones he, mm-hmm. that's it's like man i don't really care about anything else i just had like my groove father just like validate me in a big <laughs> way right yeah, yeah, yeah so i'm good you know not good like i'm stopping here but like you know it's like it's a confidence thing right heading in the right direction right right uh-huh, uh-huh. you know you know, and, I, and and again, I'm not trying to, I mean, a lot of people know, like, Steve is a huge influence of mine. Yeah. But I'm not trying to be, like, the next Steve. I want to be the next Terrence Clark. Yeah. You know, yeah. but there are things about these great musicians. Gad, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. Like, there are things about these people where it's like, I mean, Jim Keltner. Like, I, you take, you see things that they do, you're like, man, that's a thing. Yeah. I want a piece of that. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, again, like, to have that that validation from Steve and, and right, right. that you can't ask for anything. And, and you've got some others here, David Porter, yes. Tommy Sims, yes. James Waddell. Yes. So, so since you mentioned David, David Porter, uh-huh. I'll share that story. David Porter was the one that introduced me to Steve. Okay. He's a producer. If you don't know David Porter, David Porter is a writer, producer. He used to write with, um, Isaac Hayes, okay. uh, at Stacks. They wrote hits. I mean, y'all, like hits. You know, Hold On, I'm Coming. Mm. Uh, wow. Soul Man. Like yeah. hits, y'all. Like hits. And Steve was coming to Memphis doing a lot of work there. And I told Dave, I was like, man, one day I want to meet that guy. He's like, all right, next time he's in town, I'll, I'll you know, introduce you. I'm like, no way. Whatever. Yeah. And so he was in town. And David Porter literally came to my house. I have a car. I'm more than capable to drive. <laughs> and he said, I'm coming to pick you up. Steve's in town. He came, picked me up, took me to the studio. He was at Royal Studios. And, man, this is one of the most loftiest introductions I've ever had, ever. He was like, hey, Steve, this is Terrence Clark, the next Al Jackson Jr. And I didn't know he was going to say that. I'm sitting here like, Ooh. yeah, right. No, no. Don't say what are you doing? <laughs> and right away, Steve's like, "Oh, really?" Because Steve, if you know anything about, he's a he's a big Al Jackson Jr. fan. And um, immediately, I saw his eyebrow raise, like, "Oh, really?" Yeah, right. And I was like, "Oh man, that's just too much pressure, dude." You know, and that's how that happened. And so, David Porter left. I came back. Well, we both left. I came back, and Steve was like, "Come back, you know, hang out." And some other things happened, and I just like like rather keep to myself because they were very special okay you know but it was like 
the moment where you like, there's no camera around, there's no one else around, but you and the person you've looked up to for yeah. as long as you can remember. Yeah. And there's this moment where it's like, it's not documented. Mm-hmm. I'm not pulling out my phone to get a camera or a yeah. video. It's like, it's just us. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it changes your life. Mm-hmm. And so like being a mentor, being a teacher, Man, sometimes it's not even about being around by, behind the kid or the thing that brings common ground in that way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just about sitting around and talking and asking questions and being being able to have that kind of access. Yeah. You know, and that's what it is, yeah. you know. So, Steve, if you hear this, if you're out there, man, I appreciate you, bro. <laughs> I, I feel like a better player every time I have a conversation. Yeah. In, in little ways and lots yeah. of ways. And I've had amazing epiphanies about music and drumming through conversations with so many different drummers and i'm i'm so thankful for those and i'm so thankful for the time yeah that you're giving me man no right man now, thank you really this great. is this is no. a big deal man this is uh very humbling for sure i haven't shared a lot of these stories publicly so <laughs> well what about cool. you as a mentor oh man i i don't has it happened? Do you see it happening? I, I kind of see it. I get a lot of people in my DMs asking questions, uh-huh. but that's kind of weird to me. Uh, not to shut you guys down and do it, but it's like, I like to know people before I just start like spinning at the throat, you know, about this and that and the other, right? Uh-huh. Like, I kind of want to know more about your character as a man or mm-hmm. as a woman, you know, mm-hmm. like, who are you? Because there are a lot of opportunistic opportunists out there. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, to be a mentor, like you, you kind of have to be choosy. You kind of have to be use wisdom into you know the decisions of connecting with people. I want to connect with people. That's that's the the foundation of everything I do. And so if I don't connect with you, like I've had people, Matt, man, I've had people message me say, "Hey, man, I know this is a long shot, but if you if you hear anybody needing a drummer for a gig, man, please put my name out there." And I'm like, I don't even know you. Yeah. I've never heard you play. That happens a lot here. Yeah, it's really interesting. And that that's not how we were raised back home. Like Yeah. You don't go to a stranger dude and and look for him to do something for you and you hadn't sincerely tried to like have a relationship with you. You don't ask that's weird, right? Like mm-hmm. I, maybe that's just not around these parts, but it's weird for me, you know. No, it's true. And and, and it's that and that has been reiterated many times here. In Nashville, when you have so many different people clamoring for work, yeah. as we all are, and you come yeah. to this place where there is lots of opportunities and lots of people all yeah. at the same time, yeah. and it's like, what do you do? How do you be assertive? I could tell you exactly what to do. I yeah. literally just told my buddy today. It's about networking sincerely, not networking because you need it. Yeah. Network because you want to know people. Yeah. That's... That's that's the only thing that's standing the test of time. That's the only thing that lasts is relationships. Yeah. Not the gig you get through this person and because you, no, that's that's such BS. Like people no people. Yeah. What we do in a creative form is just that. But like if you don't if you're not interested in getting to know people, then you're not doing you're not in the right business. You're not in you're not in my opinion, this is, might be very harsh, but like I don't think you're living the best life you could live if you're not interested in connecting with people in a real way. I agree. Period. So don't go after the gig and be like, man, 
like the survival thing that kicks in, like, man, I need to get a gig. I need to get work. Well, even if you get the opportunity, I've seen people get great opportunities and lose them because they didn't have the character to mm-hmm. keep it. Yeah. You know, we've all had those moments. Right. But, man, I'd rather learn that way early yeah. than further up, you know. Yeah, because your expenses are greater exactly. as you get Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, the other thing is, is, is I think you will find yourself in a situation with people that you want to be with. Yes. When the relationships are honest, come yep. from an honest place. Yep. When you're, you, but that's. No, that's right. I mean, I still tour with friends who still like what we call road dog, you know. <laughs> we're in a sprinter or we're in a van or we're just oh, yeah. in a car. Oh, yeah. And I enjoy it. Why? Yeah. Because they're my friends. Like we're, yeah. we're having fun. Yeah. And I can still go and do the bus tour. Yeah. That stuff doesn't move me. It's the people. Yeah. You know? I look forward to going back out with Robert because I'm like, man, I miss these guys. Yeah, yeah, Oh, my yeah. God, it's fun, yeah. you know? Yeah. I go out with my buddy Propaganda. It's amazing. I go out with David Ryan Harris. It's like, this is great. This is a good time, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a good time. Like, it should be a good time, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Time, you can't you can't get time back, right? Right. As a musician, especially y'all, us drummers, come on now, we should know about time. time <laughs> we can't get time back. Once that, that measure is gone, it's gone. You got to just do the best in the next measure that you can. Yeah. We can't invest time. You can't have it back. Once it's gone, it's gone. So what you do with it, it is, to me, life's truest currency. So who do you spend your time with? Who are you spending your time with? Right. Be intentional about that. Mm-hmm. Let it let it count. Yeah. That's all we got, man. Yeah. That's all we have. So. It, it, and, and even in, I mean, I'm, again, extrapolating something from your bio, you talk about investing in music community. Yeah. And the importance that it yes. that you have, yes, that. yeah, you have to, right? But th- the music community to me is broader than that. it's just people. It is invest in people. It is share nuggets here and there mm-hmm. where you see people who are who sincerely desire it for the purpose of just want it, want to know more, not mm-hmm. for the purpose of like I don't know. It's just a lot of it's a lot of dark people out there that that are very vindictive. Mm-hmm. And and come off as meaning well, and they 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 don't. So just well, beware. That's let me all. ask you something. How long have you been playing professionally, full time? All your life? I guess you could say. Because my dad. Okay, so my dad was a musician in uh-huh. Memphis. Yeah. So he would bring me around uh-huh. as long as I can remember. Yeah. So, I mean, I got my first drum set at the age of two, mm-hmm. um, and I was playing out professionally around town so 20 years ago right? 14 15 years ago. yeah yeah like 20 years <laughs> yeah for sure so i mean that's all i remember yeah. in my life is is professionally playing with like gentlemen who were older than me right always mm-hmm. and those same gentlemen teaching me my worth like hey yep no don't take that gig that's not worth your time mm-hmm that was one of the biggest lessons I learned from some of my mentors. Nico Laris, amazing producer and guitar player from Memphis. Uh, Kevin Page, another amazing producer. Mm-hmm. It was like they would give me the heads up of who not to work with, oh, to wow. be honest with you. Okay. Like, yep, nope, they're a shyster or they're, nope, you know. And it was like they didn't have to do that. Yeah. And I know they didn't do that for a lot of people, but they did for me. And I am forever grateful for that because again they didn't allow me to waste my time with with things that would put me in a jaded headspace Mm -hmm. because a lot of i know a lot of my friends a lot of my peers who 
became very jaded very early, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And to me, I feel like I'm still like a kid. I'm yeah. just starting. Like, this is great. Yeah. So, yeah, having the right people in your life. Right, right. The reason I ask is, is I mean, do you feel like it's easier for you to to, to make these statements and saying it, it, it needs to be about these relationships? I mean, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly mm-hmm. with you. But when you're trying to step off into a, this role as a full-time musician mm-hmm. and a very can be sometimes a very cutthroat situation and taking gigs. I mean, have yeah. you ever taken a gig that you maybe weren't yeah, really and into, I but and you I didn't had take it to? again. Definitely. Hmm. Um, or there've been gigs where I went to, I've gone to the rehearsal and immediately like, nope, nope. I've done it yeah. and I didn't have to, and I needed it. Yeah. It's that important. Yeah. I'm serious. It's that important. It's like, yeah, this is not my people. Or I don't like how they, they treat the crew or the, the band. I don't like how they're talking yeah. to us. Yeah. You're not going to talk down to us and we're all here trying to serve this moment, right? Yeah. No, that's not. It's not going to be fun when it's time to hit that bandstand together. Yeah. So now nah, I'm going to do us a favor, get you a sub, and I'm going to bow out and go on to the next thing. Yeah. That's more important to me. Yeah. I you believe know? you. Yeah. I believe you, Terrence. Yeah, <laughs> I'm dead serious. Like for yeah. real, it's, it's it's not it's no man. Like no, I, I've done that a couple times, and mm-hmm. and a couple times I've done it. I've called my mentor, one of my mentors, right away. Like man, I feel did I do the right? They're like, no, dude, you did the right thing. If mm-hmm. any, if anything, if anybody thinks that they could say something bad about you, know that like that's not your reputation. So. If anybody right. goes around saying something negative, it's going to make them look right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I stood on that, and that was that was the beauty I had. Like I realized, like the importance of being consistent and having a a, a very sound reputation. Yes. No one's perfect. Don't get me wrong. No, I understand. But yeah. it's like a sound reputation, where it's like, you know, I had to make that decision because I'm like, this is not. I don't. <laughs> I have to say that I have to be just straight up. I don't like you as a person. So I don't want to be on the stage making music that should be fun and joyous and uh, easy and fun. And I don't like how you are just as a person and how you're treating people mm-hmm. in just this rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So I can't pretend, again, that's the performance aspect. Mm-hmm. I can't go on stage and perform mm-hmm. and act like everything is cool and, you, and, and present you and represent you mm-hmm. when I'm like, I don't really, yeah. I'm not digging that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I have to be honest with you. I struggle with that. Yeah, I think uh, I, I felt like somewhat of a martyr early in my life, where I would work with people that were really accomplished, great musicians, but but could be very tough mm-hmm. on stage or wherever. And I thought, this is good. This is good for me. I can rise above this. You mm-hmm. read stories about people that work with different, you know, difficult band leaders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, for, for whatever reason, if it was Buddy Rich or yeah, Miles yeah, yeah, or whoever, yeah. and then like, I, I can do this and I can, yeah. I can put on a good performance because when I move to Nashville and I do this, I can I'm, handle everything. I could, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's not it. Look, I'm not saying that that's not good either. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. But I want to be happy. Yeah, exactly, right? And I and I am, and I am. But um, it's just music. But I mean, everybody likes the stories, right? Everybody likes the the James Brown story where you turn around and you mess up, and he's like docking your pay five dollars. You know? Yeah, right it's, right, a, right. it's all funny. It's all cool. But like that was all they had. It's one thing if it, this all goes back to me understanding my worth. That's what it is for me. 
Mm. It's like I'm I know who I am and what I want to be part of. And if it's not fostering that energy, then I, I have to remove myself. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's an easy decision. I'm not saying everybody should make that decision. And I'm not saying that I have always made that decision. Sometimes yeah. I've stuck around. I'm like, man, this is shit. Yeah. This is bull. Like, this is horrible. But at a certain point of your career, you have to be like, mm-mm. Right, right. And and I think that comes with experience and yes. age and, and th- there's a sense of confidence. And, and I found those different... Um, points in my life, the first time I became a father, uh, I remember somebody said, hey, listen, uh, can you do this gig? I don't really have... Yeah. I'm going to say, no, thank you for asking, but when you are able to pay more, yeah. please call me. I yeah. would love to do it, and here's a list of some players that right, you can use. Right. And do it that way. Um, but things have changed Yeah, overnight for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but see, I, and I, again, I go back to my dad. Yeah, my dad used to like when I was playing locally in Memphis. I'm like, pops, I, I could be excited, right? Like, pops, they want me to play, but you know they're not paying anything, you know, whatever. And my pop said it just like this. He said, "You're good enough where people are gonna always want you to play, but you don't have to play for everybody." Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, dang. Yeah, because they were offering a, a meal and a little tip. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I'm like, you're right. Like I could be just practicing. I could be at home. Yeah. I could be just enjoying us. Yeah. As opposed to going out here just to say I'm on stage mm-hmm. and looking like I'm busy. Mm-hmm. Like, it changed the way I valued myself. Mm-hmm. And he would do that in the very, very smart ways. He wouldn't tell me what to do. That wasn't him telling me what to do. He would make me have to think about it for myself and make my own decision. Mm-hmm. And he was behind me, whatever decision I made. Yeah. But he was trying to teach me, like, you need to know who you are and your value. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't right now, you need to start considering that. Mm-hmm. And that's what that was for me. It's like, yeah, yeah you're good enough where people are going to want you to play. But you don't have to play for everybody just because they want you to play. Yeah, yeah. But I think that, that sometimes stems from uh, the desire to be to have validation, to be praised. Yes. And so a lot of times that's... That's the difference in all our stories. Everybody didn't have a dad like mine. No. Or a grandfather. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, that's where I give the grace when people tell me their story. And I'm like, man, I look at it from a very objective, unbiased place. Because I can't tell them. I kind of use the same kind of tactic of like, well, I ask probing questions mm-hmm. so they can answer it for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like I was really like graced to have a really awesome pops. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my dad was dope. He's still dope. He's one of the coolest dudes I know in, my, in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, it's it just changed the way my mind was programmed in how I view it all. You mm-hmm. know, me and my brother and I, my brother's a bassist, okay. bass player. Same way, you know. Um, but I know everybody didn't get that, you know. So I can't tell everybody what to do in that way and, and be like, this. well, I did it this way. This is a, It's like, nah, you, you have a different situation, you know. Yeah. I have validation. An affirmation from Pops. Right. Pops was like, you're good. Yeah. Work on this, work on that. Yeah. You know? This is a little off subject, but do you feel like there's a responsibility that we have as men Mm -hmm. today in our society that is important for us like maybe never before? Yes. And there's a lack of it because no one wants to be held accountable anymore. 
And no one wants to be told what to do, even when it's necessary to be told. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the issue I'm seeing now. And that's just in anything mm -hmm. in life. No, one, you can't really tell like you can't see somebody like literally about to fall in fire in, a, in, in the decision they're about to make and mm -hmm. tell them like, hey, man, hey, hey, yeah, don't do that. Like I could tell you don't like yeah. don't do that. Like just don't. And they're like, man, you can't. I live my life. I'm living. You know, it's like, yo, okay. And then they, they have to learn the hard way. Not everything has to be learned the hard way. Yeah. And I, I just don't believe that. Like, yeah. it's okay to listen to people. Yeah. It's okay to consider another perspective. It's mm -hmm. okay to, like, consider more than just two perspectives. Mm -hmm. There's so many ways to look at a thing. Mm -hmm. And then the more you do that, I think that ha helps you to see people and human beings and have mm -hmm. more grace based on their perspective of how they've mm -hmm. grown up. Mm -hmm. I can't tell people or assume people would think and see things the way I see it, uh, given my background, the way mm -hmm. I was raised, mm -hmm. my race, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I have to give grace, even if it's just super wrong, you know, like mm -hmm. even if it's just super uh, detrimental to my being alive, I have to still be like, man, I understand why they think like that, though. Mm -hmm. I get it. Mm -hmm. And still be like, I get it. I don't have to be around it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's very important, I think, for men to like. And and, and, and I'm not, I mean, uh, oh, oh, I mean, I'm talking about men. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very important. The responsibility. Yes. And I'm putting, I'm putting myself in there. Yes. Totally. Yeah. We have to, it's just, we have to speak up more than, than we have. Yeah. It's important. Um, a lot of things have changed. Yes. And as a, as a father of two boys, mm -hmm. um, as a white man mm -hmm. in society right now, it's like, what are my responsibilities? Yeah. How do I affect change yeah. to make the world the best it can be for yeah. these young men yeah. that are going to make changes? Yep. They're going to, you know. I think the best thing my dad did was that he diversified our living situation. Mm. He took us around a lot of people, a lot of different people who didn't look like us who didn't think like us. Mm -hmm. We would sit down with dinner. I mean, we we were just around a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it just changed yeah. everything. That I think that's why it just changed. It affected me, you know, as a man, but it also affected me, of course, as the thing we're talking about, just music. Right. You know, it's like, right. I feel like I can relate to anybody. If I go in a studio and I sit down and ask any artist, go. I'm like, I can relate to you because I have sat down and considered and thought about your plight and what you do in this world based on every as many variables I could consider your race, your gender, your background, the 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 area of country you've been born hmm. or raised in. All these different things play a part of why this person exists and why they think the way they think and why they wrote the song they wrote. So then I'm like, man, okay, how can I find that common ground? Because we are all more alike than we are different. I'm in that weird place in my age. Uh, I think that I just I just read a, um, an article that talks about my my generation. We're not quite millennials, and we're not quite whatever the thing before or whatever. Generation X. Maybe? Yes, we're kind of like in between. Yeah, because we. We, we were the start of generation Y. I think, yeah, it's or, like yeah, uh -huh. we, 
didn't have the internet, and then we had it, yeah. and then we have it, and we know how to use it. We're not like, there's not this learning curve. We just yeah. kind of flow with it, right? Yeah, right, right. Um, and I think a lot of that ties into um, how I learned, like, how music relates to me. Music to me means something when someone I know, going back to like connecting with people and having real relationships, mm-hmm. when someone says, hey man, have you heard this? Listen to this. Yeah. Because they know it based, they, they want me to hear it based on the fact that they know me. Yeah. Not just, oh, this is the new thing that you need to hear. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Like, totally. oh, it's a new record, man. You need to hear. No, it's like, no, have you heard the new Fleet Foxes record right now? I think you would dig that. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I would dig that. What is it? And I hear it and I'm like, of course you know I would like this. Right. I just got a text today from from a buddy. He's like, you have to, you would love it. Yes. I love that stuff. Right. But like, like what I used to do when I first got an iPod, I would give it to the friends that I really loved and admired. Mm-hmm. I gave, one time I gave my iPod to a buddy, another drummer in town named Timmy Jones. I said, bro, put on here whatever you think mm-hmm. I need to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then what, what happens in that transaction? He sits there in his library. He's like, man, what would T be into? Mm-hmm. Now he's thinking about the music differently. So he's going through his plays like, ooh, yeah. He was like, he's dragging it in. He's dragging it in. So then when I play my iPod, and the only way I play my iPod is on shuffle, a song comes on that I never heard. I'm like, whoa, what is this? Mm-hmm. I make a note. I like that. Mm-hmm. Another one comes on. I'm like, man, Timmy, really thinking about me, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I listen to that, that, those songs. Now you have Spotify. You have Apple Music, and people make their own playlists, and they share playlists, mm-hmm. and it's really cool. But to me, it's very impersonal mm-hmm. because it's not—it's not considering like the person. Mm-hmm. It's like this is about me. I like this. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So like for me, it's like it's the it's the uh, what did you say earlier? Yeah, uh, generous. Yes. Yeah. To me, sharing music should be more generous than the other. Yeah. It's like, man, what would this? Where are they? Where are they? Like, who? They're per, like based on their personality. What would they dig? Mm-hmm. It takes more time, right, to consider a person and be like, hmm. So I, I like that interaction with sharing music. Yeah, I'm very old school in that way. Mm-hmm. I don't tell somebody to listen to a record just because it's the new hot record. <laughs> I don't. Mm-hmm. And most of my friends don't do that to me. Yeah. Um, because they know what I'm into. They know some stuff is not even worth listening. Like I get to it when I get to it. Yeah. I remember when um, Alabama Shakes, their last record came out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I know I'm going to like it, but I just don't have time. You know, you know you're know, working, you got to learn mm-hmm. other music, so you don't have time. But when the record got to me, it got to me in a very organic way where it was, it was just the perfect time. I didn't just go get it just because it came out this Friday. I got to get this record. Right. I like music to reach me. And tell when, everyone that you got it. Yeah, no, forget that. Yeah. I'm like... I need the music to find me because normally when I allow it to find me and it and it hits my ears, yeah. it is the most prolific time yeah. when I need to hear it. Yeah. And it means more to me. Yeah. So I don't just move on to the next. I still, to this day, have that CD in my car in my six disc you know, changer. Because I'm like, man, this record like I, it was the same time that record came out, Beck's record, uh Mor- is it morning? Oh, the one that was recorded in Nashville. Yeah, which one is it? Phase more. Um, I don't remember the name of. I remember it was, but it's it's maybe four years old. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. When that came out, and I was like, "That's all." I listened to those two. Well, at least that record all year. 
Yeah, right. It wasn't like, okay, I've listened to it. I know about it. I, every time I listened to it, I was like, I was studying the mix. I'm like, oh, that's what they did with that. And yeah. this drummer, oh, Joey Walker is killing these drums. You know, all this, looking at the players mm-hmm. and listening to it constantly because I wanted to meditate on like the vibe. Yep. And I just listened to it and just be like, all right, cool. I heard it. Yeah. And I could talk about it with I, friends. I can't imagine doing that. <laughs> no, I can't. But most people do. Huh. Millennials definitely. And some of my friends, some people I know. Still, yeah. kind of, they listen because they want to be up on the next thing. They yeah. want st- to. It's a conversation piece, right? They want to still be like, yeah, and talk about this record. And it, I like to sit in the record, yeah, because I don't buy singles; I buy records. But I think those conversations can still happen. But yeah. like, say, did you hear this record? Did you know this guy produced it and he produced this record mm-hmm. and he used so and so on track two and six and those kinds of like yeah. deep dive conversations that I grew up on with, you know, looking at credits mm-hmm. and finding out who these people but are. But nobody, your your average person today, even some of your musicians who think they're really like in-depth musicians don't do that Hmm. they're just listening to the aesthetic so they can make sure that they're up to date on the Hmm. new thing to do yeah Hmm. more so than the story or the song or the 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 thing that went into making the album Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's my impression i get Mm. interesting you know that's what i see it's like they it's it's the cool thing to say i heard the record yeah you hadn't heard that record yet Oh man, you late. Yeah, I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I want to hear it like right now. Perfect example. The Robert Cray band, every day, like Richard Cousins, the bass player, he is like the human iPod. <laughs> the 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 amount of music he has in his library, I thought, oh my God, he freaks me out. He has so much stuff. And we'll sit there and listen to it before the show. It's like like a ritual, you know, we're just hanging out in the green room, let's listen to old music or even new music yeah and robert coming like who is that yeah and we talk about it he's like oh you don't have that record this is so and they have a it's a very organic thing yeah richard didn't say hey man you need to have this record clearly five years ago or whatever they've been working with each other for years it's like he just heard it yeah and now it's like this organic experience that's related to that moment yeah that makes it really cool to me yeah 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 you know yeah yeah and now you know it's like, man, I gotta get that. He's like, I get that record to you, yeah. you know. And now that's a thing, yeah. You know, or we go record shop. He's like, man, remember that record I told you? Here it is. I got it for you. Yeah. It becomes a thing. Yeah. Not just a passerby, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 Like I remember every record Timmy put on that iPad when I gave him my iPad yeah. or my iPod. Yeah. You know, yeah. because it's associated with my relationship with the person that I care about. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I have that I have that with Mike Jackson. Yeah. Who helps with the podcast. Yeah. He's got I've got records that I have, still have to this day that I'm like, yeah, Mike gave that to me or hit me to that. Mm-hmm. And then I had a, a friend from college that she would send me two or three records every year. Yeah. And some of them I was just hard for me and to mm-hmm. to like really dig into, but I was like part of it was this is what she really is into, and I really she's got great great taste. Yeah, and she thought Matt would dig this, mm-hmm. and and a lot of those records are are great, 
to listen to, but yeah. but there's one that's been was one of my like it's my Desert Island record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a result of her, yeah, thinking Matt's gonna dig this. Yep. I was like, it's the intentionality of human connectivity. That's the thing. That's uh, that I'm basically trying to, you know, bring into this. But you're also saying that it's a personal experience where you're like, I'll get to this when I'm when I'm ready. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Being okay with that. Yeah. I feel like in the last. 10, 15 years, there's been like a rapid acceleration of the evolution of the drum set. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see a different in different ways. So like uh, cymbal stackers, electronics, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. types of muffling, whether it's on the drum or the cymbal or the things that we do to create sounds and things. I think like never before. Mm-hmm. I, I, this is just my opinion. No, it's true. Um, but where do you see this going mm-hmm. I was asked this question 15 years ago in, in another way and I feel like when I what I answered it actually happened so I have to be careful <laughs> uh, and that one yeah anyway so I what I think I see it going is like and it's already kind of here I mean you have it with a lot of drummers uh, to me you know Jim Keltner is one of those guys. Like he, I, I remember meeting him and playing on the same bill with him, and and we went back to Royal Studios to jam. And he's like, man, I, he was playing with just regular drumsticks. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, I don't even know how to play like this anymore. I normally have a. He normally has like other gadgets in his hands, yeah, right? right? Right. And it was like, yeah, exactly. I know what you mean. You know, it gets to a point where like, it's not about the drums; it's about sound. Another person to me who I think is talks in that way is Aaron Sterling, mm-hmm. you know, drummer. Mm-hmm. He's a fan. He's world class. He's amazing. And it's not about drums. It's about sound. I think, you know, there are a lot of people who are doing a date. Uh, Chris Daddy Dave, you know, mm. he's like that. He does it live. Like he just can play all these rhythms and makes all these sounds. And I think that's what really put a lot of, you know, drummers uh, in, in an awareness of the possibilities that you could do that live, even okay, you know, because a lot of it was kind of limited to just studio creativity, right? Like, right. Cause you could, yeah, you just sure. had the freedom, yeah. But Dave, like, he could just do it all, like, in this very, like, in the moment way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're getting to the point where drummers are now your new sound designers. I mean, that's what I think. What can we do to prepare to... Oh, man, to, just, to just make sure that we're ready for those situations live or in the studio. Stay playful. Don't limit yourself to thinking a groove it just comes from a drum mm-hmm. or a drum set mm-hmm. or conventional setup. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's what it calls for the gig you have, yes. But if you're doing something creative beyond outside the box... You don't set up a drum set the way you always set it up. Basically, create a different kind of office space that mm-hmm. that fosters mm-hmm. a different kind of thinking. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a drummer right now. I forget his name. He's playing with, um, um, I forget the name of the band, country band. They're big. Uh, Rascal Flatts. There you go. Oh, okay. And Jim he's, Riley. Yeah. He's, he's a second drummer. He's an aux guy. Oh, okay. He's standing up playing everything. He has basically a kit, but it's all. But he has pads. He has a keyboard. He, man, 
if you if that's where it's going you know what i mean i saw uh a pop artist lord or not even even lord but like michael uh my michael blake is it blake blue blade no not blue blade no 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 uh no james blake okay is it james blake i'm sorry i'm I'm going blank but anyway (laughs) it was a trio on stage and it sounded huge you know the guy playing perk he had all these pads and all this stuff and uh-huh. and he's creating sound and synth with pads like it's amazing i mean you see the evolution even i give you a something that maybe no one noticed but uh the legendary roots crew you know quest love and those mm-hmm. guys they yeah, play yeah. on the jimmy fallon show well he used to have a perk guy named knuckles that was on there playing yeah play bongos congas all that stuff yeah dope it's fun he sounded great yeah He's not there no more. I don't know why. But they have this other guy. He has all these pads now. And he's creating all these different sounds. And he's actually like a magician on this thing. And it's like, I think that's where we hit. Like, you have to be able to know how to do that stuff. Uh-huh. You have to. Uh-huh. Um, and I think it's it's natural, right? Because every other musician has had to learn how to do things in a very melodic way, you know, chordal way, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Now drummers like you got to know how to do yeah that and bring bring melodic ideas mm-hmm. now to mm-hmm. the table as opposed to just rhythmic yeah now will I survive that I don't know <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> but I I think in a lot of ways you know if you want to survive it yeah you gotta you gotta jump into it there I know drummers I I'm sorry I I, I I go blank but there's a drummer that I follow um, he plays keys and drums. Right, I've seen that. You know, I've seen stuff like that. You know, his his drum set on the pop gig, he has his full out, you know, big drum set, everything. But he has two keyboards over here too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, dang. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. That's major, you know. Yeah. And it sounds simple, but it's like, no, it's not. Like that's that's another thing, you know. So, I think um, I think that's where we're headed uh, in certain pop elements. Not everything. Right, you know, there's certain things that are, that are gonna always be just American, cl- like classic music. The yeah. approach, right? right? Like it just is what it is. Right. Um, but I think we're finally reaching a point where there's a hybrid and a and a good marriage of the digital and the live organic. Yeah. Now, to me, it would be a perfect blend when we finally figure out how to make the digital match the human element of the organic feel, where there is no measurement of time. Where the music, where the machine can flow and follow the organic flow of how we just play live, like we were talking earlier. Like yeah, if you're just flowing with it, yeah, some kind of like system where it just flows with you. I wonder if we're getting there. Because I think we just are. with with Ableton and the yeah, way things yeah, change yeah. and yeah, and stuff like it that. It just reads and it can f- feel the tempo moving and it just moves with you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of pre-programming it or presetting that, yeah. you know, yeah. I think we're there. Somebody's yeah. going to do it. Somebody probably already doing it, to be honest. Right, right. Um, I don't know, but I think that's where we're headed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Drummers would no longer just be drummers; they would actually be considered musicians. <laughs> <laughs> the first, yeah. no more drummer jokes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, tell me about tell me about the rest of your year. How how long is this tour? Well, so with an artist like uh, Robert Cray. It's not really like a tour. You're just always working. Yeah. You know, uh, he's not promoting a new record this year. So we're just working. And okay. so um, it's full, man. 
I mean, they said that this year is going to be busier than last year. And I thought last year was busy. Wow. You know, so uh, we have some projected dates coming up overseas and on the other side of the globe. Nice. Places I've never been, places I have been, some Fun. of my favorite places. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, like Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, you know. Fun. Paris, oh, Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. Rome, Georgia. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks like it's going to be busy. Um, but even in that busyness, I try to take the breaks and work with other artists. Right. Uh, if I could give any advice for anybody who has like their main gig that they do. Yeah. The one thing I've learned is um, don't make that your only thing. Yes. Because it won't stay fun if it's your only thing. Mm. Um, I, I had a gig like that that I was on for like four or five years. And I didn't have any other creative outlet. Mm. And that gig became very tough. Mm. And I resented it because I, I wasn't the guy they were using for the records. Mm. You know, and there was a lot of like tension there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I didn't have another outlet. Mm-hmm. And now... I was very intentional after that experience to make sure that I diversify and play with as many artists as I possibly can, yeah. do as many sessions with as many amazing people, even if it was just like just one song. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and in those in between, because it makes the main gig fun. So when I go yeah. back to it, I'm like, man, this is fun again. Yeah. Because I've done, I'm not, I'm not looking for this one thing to give me all of my creative like excitement. Because mm-hmm. no one thing can do that. Yeah, it's basically creating other streams. It's, yeah. a, it's a business model one on one. Like to be successful, you have to have multiple streams. Right. So have multiple creative streams. But your go to in that, and so here's kind of the flaw in my thinking mm-hmm. is I've always preached that you know diversify your investments, investments yes. being your work. Yes. So in in this kind of crazy up and down business, yes. If one of your gigs goes away, you still have the security of this yes. other thing. And I'm thinking work. The first thing that you said was it makes it you have creative outlets. Yes. And so it makes that one gig that much farther to go yes. back to. Yes, and I, that's something I I need to continue, and I, and I am now this year working more, and I'm having a blast. Yeah, so I completely understand where yeah. you're coming from. No, totally. Yeah, and I appreciate you shedding some light yeah. on the importance of the joy that is comes from performing and connecting with the people yeah. that you're doing. It's really great, man. It's a privilege. It's we don't all get to do it, and I think if you get the opportunity to, you can't sit there and have an ego about it and be like, yeah, I deserve this. No one deserves it. There's no security in any of this, to be honest. No. So the reality is enjoy it Yeah. and be all in because anything can happen, bro. I know. Like anything. I know. Any Anything. Anything. So <laughs> I, I can't. So what I, are you, I can, Terrence? What are you saying? I could give you so many examples, but just any, whatever you're thinking right now, whatever that anything is, <laughs> think 10 more anythings. You know, like yeah. it could be anything. So just enjoy it and have fun and and try to be remembered as a person that just did that. Yeah. And enjoyed every moment of it. Yeah. Like, I'm, I know I won't be playing with Robert Cray forever, mm-hmm. you know, but man, I'm showing up enjoying it. And I'm going to love it right now. Right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Period. Yeah. And every other artist I play with, yeah. you know, I'm like, man, this moment, this run, this is, I, man, this is amazing. 
yeah. I get to do this with this person mm-hmm. that I really like. Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of people, like we said, that don't get to do that. No. So, yeah, man, I think that's 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 the takeaway for me. Yeah. Yeah. This conversation has been awesome. It's been amazing, and I feel inspired, man. Man. I thank you so much for doing this, dude. Thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. it, bro. Yeah, dude. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. So there you go. There was my conversation with Terrence Clark. I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. I really felt inspired by our conversation, and there was just so much. Uh, and we could have talked for for many hours. But what a what a sweet guy! What a very talented and creative individual. And uh, I was very inspired by uh, getting this podcast together, and it just in the conversation itself. I hope you felt the same way. Again, thanks to producer Brandon Owens for making that connection. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's episode. Uh, Many thanks to Mike Jackson for his technical assistance and helping keeping this podcast rocking online and otherwise. Quick reminder, patreon.com slash working drummer is a place where you can help support what we do here at the podcast. Also, find us on workingdrummer.net and you can see where we have t-shirts available. Those are just $10 a piece with graphics on the front and the back. Cool colors, cool new design as of last year. So check those out, workingdrummer.net. And thank you all so much for listening and I hope to see you around. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.